This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Rom Criminals. Life can sometimes be exhausting. We've got work and kids and dogs and trying to come up with and create new content all the time. But Vanya and I have found this amazing little green shot that's magic. It's called Magic Mind, and it is made up of matcha, which boosts your energy, adaptogens, which help you relax, and nootropics, which keep you focused. And there's a little honey in there, so it tastes really good. This little green shot is amazing. You can take it in the morning with or without morning coffee, and it kind of gives you this like even, not jittery, focused energy that lasts throughout the day. And it's the perfect replacement for an afternoon coffee that can sometimes result in the inability to fall asleep later. And Magic Mind is offering our listeners 40% off for the next 10 days for their subscription packages if you go to www.magicmind.co slash Crime, you use promo code ROMCRIME20. And then after those 10 days are up, there will be a 20% lifetime discount for subscriptions and one time purchases. Again, at www.magicmind.co slash ROMCRIME using promo code ROMCRIME20. had a few days. Oh my, yeah, I really have. It's been pretty intense. But uh, hi, everybody. Hi, Rom Criminals. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us this uh, rainy afternoon. Well, it might not be for you, but it is for us. I know. It's finally like cozy sweater weather here in Mm -hmm. Los Angeles. And while I don't totally love the rain aspect, I do like the cozy cool. Yes, I agree. It's like the, you know, having a dog just adds a level level of like, oh, this is not as fun. But the kids get to play with their umbrellas, which was really, they enjoy. And I bought um, stuff to make soup. Adam makes this really delicious chicken corn chowder from scratch. Ooh. It is beyond delicious. So I got all that. And I'm like, here you go, honey. <laughs> make me some stuff. So that sounds amazing. I actually got stuff to make uh, a butternut squash. Ooh soup that I, I, I like to recipe. make this time of year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'll have to do that today. 
Yeah. I, I love it, though. I'm into this into this weather. But oh, dear God. So I guess I'll just start. I'll start with Aram because I'm going to my I'm going to stay positive, people. I'm not going to try. I'm going to try not to be. She toxic, has a great positive, attitude. <laughs> so um, my Ram is actually the love of my body because I've been having such issues with my hips. And, Ooh. you know, I was a gymnast as a child and I was a cheerleader and I did some dance. And so I basically have been working my hips out for most of my life. And I mean, not to be gross, but I'm like hyper flexible. Uh, <laughs> well, I used to be. I'm not really anymore. But it's actually not great for you as you age. If you're a hyper flexible, you really have to like strengthen those tiny little intrinsic muscles in your body or oh. shit goes wonka donk. But anywho, I was honestly so scared that I was like, am I going to be a young woman who needs a hip replacement. Um, oh no! Well, because I it was, I was, I've been in pain. But I went to see um, a doctor, and my joints are perfectly healthy, so that's oh, great. Good. And it just seems what it is is it's a little bursitis, which is apparently here's here's a lesson for everyone, and I'm probably butchering this, but we've got little pockets of like liquid all over our body in between our ligaments and our muscles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of helps everything move around. And it, when they get inflamed, that's the itis, so the bursitis. Oh. So I was having that in my hips, and I got. Um, I went then I went to a chiropractor and got some massage and like an adjustment and I feel fabulous and I've been also doing some workouts so I love my body. That's awesome. Romance to my my body and my core because it was cheer, I was freaking out your actually because I could barely walk. Oh my god! I didn't realize that. Yeah, it just I mean it happens when I. I I, it's happened in the past when I've taken like a 12 mile hike and out of nowhere. Right. So that makes, you know, it's always the, not the next day, but the day after where I'm like, oh, I can't walk. But this was random. I just was like volunteering for, I don't know. So who knows? But that's that. And oh, God. Well, are you, are I'm you... so glad that every, I'm ready to. I mean, I've heard a little bit about this, but I'm going to share, re- your, if share you... <laughs> your crime. <laughs> if you guys also listen to Mike and Vanya can't not, I have to tell the story twice because Mike will be like, he wants, I told him I wouldn't tell him what was happening. I gave him a, vi- okay, fine. I'll just talk. I'll just tell you. So my crime of the week is a crime against, uh, just, it's just shit, shit luck, I think, or really mm-hmm. good luck. I don't know. So I, Adam, my husband and I have a thing where I can never decide where to put the pictures on the wall. And I, and I really like, I kind of just shut down. So we've lived in this house for a year and a half and we have like a couple of things up that I like taped to the wall, (laughs) but nothing like, Uh nothing like in because I'm afraid of the commitment. Um, I'm a Libra. I don't know. So, uh, so he's like, you know what, Vaughn, I'm going to, I had a bunch of things going. I was like, I'm, you know, I'll be doing some office type work and he's like, I'm going to put painting up in the dining room and I was like amazing I you know what do it because I was I'm in a good mood I'm like if I hate it we could just patch the hole and whatever so I had gone upstairs I ended up having to clean up a huge painting mess in my bathroom the kids were painting and I yeah yeah so whatever anyways I come downstairs and Adam is like freaking out and holding the wall and I'm telling you a jet stream of water is coming out of the wall in the dining room basically exact center of the in the dining room wall, you know, where you'd assume a picture would be hung. And he's holding his eyes are big and, and I'm like I you know, I was I we were both two humans in complete shock, like what to do. So yeah. I, I don't want to torture everyone with this freak but I was like running around. I was like, who do I call? I tried to call our neighbor who's also a fireman and I was like, he I'm sure he knows what to do. And then 
I call my dad. My dad's like, turn the water off. And I'm like, okay. And then I couldn't figure out where the water main was. So I had, then Adam's like, you hold on to it. So I held on to the water and I got so soaked that I don't think my Uggs are going to ever recover. And oh, and it no. was really tall. So I was like, hi, I was like reaching to press the water, which I don't oh, even know. Gosh. He was worried if the water spurted out, it would have spurted onto all of our instruments. So yeah, I guess that's a good thing. So I was holding it, but otherwise it was just going onto the floor and where we were at, you know, I like I was I, it felt it was probably only 45 seconds before he found the water main but I started like I was like shaking oh I was my like God. I was like Adam also please. it's like water is such a powerful force oh so my to, like God. to try and think you know your hands can like stop a jet stream of water that's like you know coming out of a pipe yeah. and it's just, it was yeah, that's terrifying a lot of and so he finally gets it stopped what had happened was he drilled into so our our shitty house it's not shitty but it was kind of you know shittily made it was had a pvc pipe back in the 90s they used pvc pipe which they don't use for like water pipes anymore they use they don't even i don't even know if they use copper anymore but they use something really really strong so and he had just hit it like i was like adam we need to go play the powerball because it's so high right now because you're a lucky mahanga um (laughs) It was so crazy. And then finally we got a very nice, you know, it was, of course, it was a weekend and we got a nice plumber. He came over and he gave it, he shoot it, shoot it, shot it straight for us. He did a little bit of work because it's like emergency prices on the weekend and he's, they're actually going to be back today. So if you guys end up hearing banging or whatever, that's why. Um, Mm. But he was like, you you need to get this floor because you could see every, our floors are shitty anyways, too. You could always, they were like floating um, vinyl I don't know, Pergo, whatever it is. So we took out the whole, all the flooring. So our floor is now just concrete. And the kids are like, this is cold. Oh, wait. And just one more, one more fun fact about this whole instance is as Adam and I are like absolutely like in complete scared freak out mode. Crisis mode. Crisis mode. The kids are on the couch on the iPad. Oh. Unfazed. Like completely unfazed. So I guess that's good. Thanks, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Like, because they didn't add to the drama. So. Um, that's what happened to me and it was really scary actually. It was, and Adam yeah, and yeah. I keep like, and then we, we just kept like giggling out of like pure terror the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, we just, we just, uh, our, our home just got flooded. Yeah. <laughs> In like a matter of maybe the whole thing was two minutes. I'm not sure. You know? Oh, it's insane. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm very glad that you guys found a great plumber and I know that you are now super excited about just doing a little, uh, demo. Like, I'm just going to uh, do. Yeah. I'm going to get Take some advantage really of the good fact. floors. Yeah. yeah. Get some good floors that you love and be like, we meant to do this. Yeah, we just right. needed <laughs> we just needed a catalyst to rip well, these floors up. Well, and it sure worked. One. So <laughs> <laughs> amazing. All right. So for my ROM of the week, as all of you know, like true crime shit is my jam. Yes, I love it. And I stumbled across. It was like recommended to me on Hulu because everything recommended to me on all streaming platforms is always like. Dateline and every version of it, you know? (laughs) And so it was this show that's called I Survived. Oh. And it's basically every episode is three different stories of people who go through, and it's not just true crime, but a lot of it is like horrific events, but they survived and they're the ones telling their own story. And so I found this like amazing show where I can watch the, the true crime stories that I have always found so fascinating and interesting and know that the outcome is good. I could get down with that. Yeah, it's yeah. called I Survived. I think the first two seasons are available on Hulu. And it's cool. Like, they mix. It's, it's not cool. It's horrible what people go through. But they do yeah. mix in, you know. There's there's usually 
well, at least one of the three is like someone who gets attacked by an animal oh, or like some kind of accident while like hiking, you know, but they survive. Everyone survives. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. So that's my 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 rom show that that's I found fun. that hey. I've been really into. And then my crime is auto body shops. OK, yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, we have an old car we bought a cute little 2005 mini cooper convertible after my husband was in an accident and i was like you will never drive on a scooter again yeah um and so the other day i was working and it was it was that horrible day where i had to like work in the morning go home and then go back to work at 10 at night but i got done and it was and it was a perfect afternoon so i was like you know what i'm gonna put the top down i'm gonna cruise home so i'm driving home and when i get back and i'm parking the car i put the top back up and i realize that the the on the little teeny like rear window because you know it's a it's a convertible so it's not like a full backseat window it's like that little half window on the passenger side won't roll up oh no and i'm i'm like trying everything i'm googling it and they're like this happens sometimes try hitting this thing on the door oh goodness i tried all of it so they were like well you probably it it either came off like the track or you or the motor failed or something. So I was like, okay, well, like this is LA can't really safely park your car without being able to roll up a window yeah. on the street. Luckily, like where I live is fine. So we took it to this uh, auto body shop just for an estimate, right? Like how much is it going to cost? And they're like, cool, we'll run diagnostics for free too. So I get a call and he tells me that not only will I need to o- order a new motor, <gasps> which is a thousand bucks uh, to fix the window. But he's like, you have a massive oil leak situation. I don't know how, were you not aware of this? Like there must be a, a crazy stain under your car. And I was like, what? And he's like, the, something's broken and that this is broken and the valve is broken. Anyway, he tells me it's going to cost me like $3,000 to fix what? the car. And I'm like, well, I'm absolutely not going to do that. Also, I run out to our parking spot. There's no oil stain where my car has been parked mm. this whole time. And then when I brought the car home, I had given my husband the garage opener hoping it was going to be affordable and that the car would be at this place for a couple of days. So I parked it in the cul-de-sac back by where we live. And when I moved it yesterday, I triple checked no stain under my car. Huh. And I'm like, I don't. So we're getting a second opinion tomorrow. Oh, good, 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 good. From the, from the guy that uh, fixed the air conditioning thing last time. And it cost almost nothing. OK, perfect. So hopefully, hopefully this dude was just trying to scam me. But yeah. he showed me he like took the flashlight and showed me what he was talking about. And it did not look good. Oh, like I could so see strange. like oil inside, you know, like where it was like out. I don't know. I don't know anything about cars. Anyway, that's my crime. I'm like, I, feel that I that don't know anything about cars. And I know. So I hope I hope the guy's really wrong about the price. Yeah, I always like I have no trust for that for that because I just think it's so easily screw me over. And I'm also I feel that way a little bit about dentists, too. I'm like, oh, please God. be honest about my, t- you know, like I'm not, you know, yep. so that's just me. You, you and my husband could do a whole podcast about how, de- <laughs> how dentistry is like, it's like how it's like a, it's like a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> <laughs> no offense if you're a dentist. I know you probably have a, you know, a very true heart. Okay, guys, are you ready? <laughs> so I'm so excited about this week's rom-com because yes. I'm, I'm going to say it right now. Uh, it is my favorite, favorite rom-com of 2020. Okay. Well, it was, I loved it so much. And I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you about it because I'd never heard of it. One, never heard of it. Yeah. And, and I realized, you know, as an adult, you don't see a lot of like real, like um, animated realism. Yes. Okay. So let me tell you, it is inter, 
Intergalactic. That's E-N-T-E-R. Intergalactic. It's a movie on Netflix. It's an animated movie that came out in September, so it's very recent. It it's not for kids. Definitely not for kids. There's like no. It, there it, was a lot of yeah. cartoon sex. I, know, I was like, Adam, whoa. My husband, we watched it, and he's like, oh wow. Oh, and they're yeah. So like, you don't see mm-hmm. any like real stuff, but you real. I mean, like my kids would if they were watching, they'd be like, what is going on? So do not let your kids yeah. watch it. But and it, there's lots of marijuana smoking. Oh, so. that's true. Yeah, and lots of cursing. Like the the movie opens up, and our main guy Jabari, played by Kid Cudi, because that's the other fun thing about this, is Kid Cudi. Um, he did the music for all of this. So all of these songs, I think originally when they started making this film, it was he was going to do like a like one long music video type thing. But any it, it actually ends up to be such a great romantic comedy. And I loved the fact that it was a dude at the heart of it. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. the, you know, he has a partner in this, but I just thought it was so great. But yeah, the movie opens up and he's like moving into this Manhattan loft. That's pretty rad which I was yeah there was was some things about this that I loved because they managed to I would describe this as maybe like the most honest and realistic romantic comedy I've seen in a long time but they like it I think that's why it's so good but they also gave us those little nuggets like you know there's no way that a maybe going to make a comic book artist can afford to live there and a maybe going to be a big time photographer that they could live in these huge like Love. These huge artist loft spaces that are so gorgeous. But it's so aspirational. But you need that. Yes, you need exactly. that in a rom-com. Exactly. And they have all the sidekicks they of did. a typical rom-com. You got the dumb stoner friends for the guy character. Yep. You got the horny pregnant friend for um, the girl character. Who was my favorite? Uh, let's see. What was her name in the movie? But she's played by Vanessa Hudgens. And it's... So the main girl character is Meadow, who is Jabari's next door neighbor. And she's absolutely stunning and glorious and artistic and real, played by uh, 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 Jessica Williams, who Mm -hmm. is so incredible. And they even kind of like model both with Kid Cudi and with Jessica Williams. They kind of model what she looks like. They kind of did yeah, that they for look, everybody. It looks like her. Yeah. Even like Timothy Chalamet plays the little weed guy with the big eyebrows. It's so good, you guys. It's anyways. The um. So it's v- v- Karina. Karina is the pregnant horny woman. And there was one point where you know it, it's your typical. Ro- I mean, I I don't want to give too much away because honestly, I want you guys to watch this because it was so enjoyable and like refreshing because it was kind of new. But it has all the normal like rom com tropes. But like at one point when Meadow is feeling insecure or whatever, whether about to like maybe sleep with him or whatever. Her her best friend Karina gives her a pep talk and it's so dirty and raw and I'm like, was that character based off of me? Because I feel like when especially when I was pregnant, I was just like, I couldn't and, and also I've always been married and so my friends are a lot a lot of my friends are single so I always feel like whenever I'm giving advice to people, it's real. Just it's like the fantasy advice I would give. To, you know, I'd be like, just fuck them, just do it. I mean, oh my god. Yeah. Anyways, I seize the day. Seize the I day. loved it. Yeah, I loved it, it. And it's also animation. visually, yes. it's visually stunning too. Like, you're right, no spoilers, but it was just like a true romantic comedy that felt really grounded in yeah. like the co- the main conflict. You know, between the lovers, felt like something that would definitely and probably does happen all the time. And yeah. you know, of course, dating one's neighbor can present issues if it doesn't work out so I love that that's like the initial conflict is like do you really want to go there I mean you just moved in last week um and and then when they just 
when they start to get like close because we know that they're the, they're falling in love the way they did the montage because I love a montage and mm-hmm. it's 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 fun because anytime they have this like magical moment they go into space it is incredible you guys yeah. I'm not even kidding it's but I also love like the it grew like as they were dating it was fun and then at some point she's like sleeping in a t-shirt and it's with each other. I I felt like it gave me it gave me all the feels. I don't know. Maybe I like let my guard down because it was animation, and I was maybe I was less, yeah. less judgmental about it. I also loved that the guy Jabari, he is like I, I, the first time that they really like their meet cute is when she's having a huge party and he's tired and he has to go to his new job, so he comes over. And yeah, he's like, could you turn the music down? Yeah. And then he goes home. He's like, I don't want to be any makes some funny. He's like, I don't want to be a party pooper. I don't know. I just loved it. I loved his character. No. I love the movie. I'm trying to think of any other good. Um, I mean, there's so many good parts. But Oh, the whole thing is is just truly, truly. Oh, and the vagina enjoyable. party, the art, the art. Oh, art show. yes. And the New York of it all. Oh, like New York they, of it all. Yes. It made me miss New York so much. They're magical. That, like, date yeah. day where they start out mm-hmm. because she's she's kind of making up for having a big party and so she goes over the next day and is like let me take you out for lunch and then from there they just go from one thing to the next to the next and it's such like I don't know if you've ever had dates like that I'm sure you have but I love it felt it felt like the most wonderful magical New York day ever and so yeah. I'm falling in love with them and I'm falling in love with New York all over again yeah, it was so good. And definitely check it out, everybody. Yeah. It's so much fun. And it's oh, short. It's like 90 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. It's it gives you all it. the feels. It's beautiful. And, you know, you can kind of get uncomfortable slash not uncomfortable watching cartoons bone a yeah. lot. <laughs> that, that is true. That is there is a part where but it but you'll you'll like it. I, I think you're going to yeah. like it. I mean, it's all part of the, it's part of their love story. That I is, wonder in fact, if this will get up. Uh, like nominated for a uh, Oscar because I feel like it has that worthiness of an animated yeah best animated yeah feature mm-hmm. yeah I guess we'll find out won't we yeah well you heard it here first folks if it does <laughs> so what All did right. that inspire you to to so do it's it was kind of kind of random you know yeah well you I think you're gonna have fun with where I went with this so we only decided on this movie or Vanya sent me this as her choice just a couple days ago Mm -hmm. so I kind of knew as I was watching it if an idea sparked I was gonna start googling even though I was watching the movie so I was kind of googling you know not a bunch because I was watching the movie but I'd be like okay comic book artist because the main guy Jabari has been hired to maybe turn he's like a well-known um, graffiti artist right. and he has this character that he does um, that he spray paints Mr. Rager. New York City Mr. Rager and so they want him to turn Mr. Rager into a comic book so that I'm looking like comic book artists true crime blah 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 um, apparently there are lots of like scandals and lately there's been a lot of like sexual misconduct allegations uh, within the comic book world which was interesting something something I did consider going down that that path I also googled at one point has a sext ever led to murder I did not find anything because there's a moment where yeah. someone sends a sext and it, it creates um, issues. Yeah. And then I have to tell you, Vaughn, at the very end of the movie. So throughout this, there's the single friends and there's, you know, dating in New York is hard. And there's this dating app that a lot of people in the movie are are oh, using. Yes. And it's called Stash, I think, or uh-huh. something like that. And it's yeah. basically like Stash, like have a, an arsenal of 
people in your pocket on your phone that you can hook up with or meet up with or date. And at the very end of the movie, after everything's kind of concluded, they're rolling like a news story that's saying that the creators of the dating app Stash um, have been like indicted today with where they stole all of the people who use their dating apps. They've stolen all of their data and credit card information to buy really expensive things yeah. <laughs> and um, so all these people who were trying to find love instead just lost their identity and money and I just for some reason I heard that and I was like oh god I, I know what I'm gonna do it's not exactly the same idea it's not that a creator of an app you know stole all of its users m- uh, money but I was like Avrin's gonna do the tinder swindler oh did you go- did you watch tinder swindler no I didn't I'm so excited okay. first of all holy shite this is also this is our netflix episode apparently yeah um i mean i love netflix for all things true crime for sure but the tinder swindler came out i think earlier this year like very early maybe february of 2022 okay and i remember seeing it and being like oh i wonder what that's about and then there's so much out there to watch i just never watched it this is the craziest effing like scam artist documentary I think I've ever watched really like the point where you're just like what what and of course it's really hard sometimes as somebody who these experiences didn't happen to to be like how could you not see yeah how could you not see but I also think it's very important to remember that when you are in the middle of something when it's not being looked at from the outside none of us ever knows what we could be made to to believe is true when we are in love and have what we believe to be an honest loving relationship with another person so I just would say right off the bat well well I might make jokes a little bit about red flags and oh my god how could you actually do this I 100% believe that these women are only victims here they are not stupid they are not gold diggers they were not trying to be greedy and then got screwed they were victims they were women who were trying to find love and i really hope that they do when does this take place like now okay so it's like a present day situation it's a pretty present it's like i mean the documentary came out this year and everything that i will tell you about has you know, had concluded by the time it came out. Because mm. uh, Tinder's been I out think for a while. A while. Like, yes. So you guys 10, know what Tinder is, right? I think so. Because I, I never used Grindr. Tinder. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Grinder was, no, it was, I think, yeah, that. Amongst I never our used Grindr. Friends, but that's the that's the the boys app. Um, but yeah, Tinder. I would think I was already married by the time Tinder came around. Okay. Like when I was single, and I mean, I didn't do a ton of online dating because it just was too weird but I was like that was match.com and okcupid era okay gotcha gotcha so but tinder if you don't know listener is a dating app where basically someone's picture pops up and if you like them you swipe right and if you don't like them you swipe left and so if you do like them and you've swiped right and they swipe right on you as well then you get a match and you're able to chat with each other and I guess the name is like you know two sparks create a flame you know oh, hence tinder, tinder. Gotcha, it's a gotcha. little tinder gotcha. um or i guess you know fire can also be scary and that's what we're, we're gonna go down that path today Uh-oh. all Uh-oh. right <laughs> so we're gonna start in 2018 however the story does not start in 2018 um and the documentary opens up and we meet cecilia and i feel really bad i'm gonna totally mess up saying her last name uh fielhoy i think is maybe how you say it but we're gonna call her cecilia from here on out she was a like you know, late 20 something Norwegian woman who was living in London. 
And, you know, she was a grad student. She was working and she was on Tinder. And in January of 2018, she matched with a very handsome fellow named Simon Leviev. Now, they get the match, right? He immediately sends her a message that he is actually leaving London the following day for work. But would she want to maybe meet up that afternoon for coffee? And she's like, just based on his profile, like he's very handsome. And in the pictures, you know, one of them, he's like flying a helicopter. Another one, he's sitting on a yacht. He's, there's pictures of him on a private jet, clearly doing like business. There's a cute picture of him with like a little chihuahua. You know, it's uh-huh. like a very, enti- it's, it's an enticing profile. So she's like, okay, yeah, I'll come meet you for coffee this afternoon. And so he tells her to meet him at his hotel, which is the Four Seasons, which, as you know, is a fancy as fuck hotel. That's true. So she shows up. He comes down, you know, from his room upstairs. And she's just like, oh, my God, he he looks like his pictures. Like, he's just as cute in real life as he is in his pictures. And he's incredibly like charming and very a really good listener. The conversation is flowing easily. And of course they go into like what he does for a living. And he explains that his father is Lev Levayev, who is um, known as the King of Diamonds. He's like a billionaire Israeli diamond dealer. Uh-huh. Um, and he has a company that's called LLD Diamonds. And uh, Simon, as his son, is the CEO of this company. And he makes a joke. He's like, yeah, my dad's the King of Diamonds. I guess that makes me the prince. You know, and she's uh. like, oh, my God, what yeah. is this world you live in? <laughs> And he tells her, so th- things are going well, like they're, they're vibing a little bit. And he's like, so actually, I, I'm traveling to Bulgaria for work and we're going to go by private jet. Would you want to come with us? I'm really enjoying hanging out with you. And she, at this point in the documentary, she's real cute. She's like, I'm inside. I'm like, oh, my God what like we're gonna go but she's like but I'm playing it very cool she's like oh I don't know I mean if you're working and he's like no it'll be fun we'll have like a fabulous dinner I only have to take one work meeting I just have to go to Bulgaria and he's like and it won't just be you and me he's like my whole team will be there in fact he tells her that he has a little two-year-old daughter and even though he's not together with the the daughter's mom that they're in town and they're actually also going to be on the flight that's uh, because it's it's almost his daughter's birthday or something along those lines so she agrees to go with him. And then the next thing she knows, a Rolls Royce is picking her up outside the hotel to drive her back to her apartment to pack her bag and grab her passport before bringing her to back to the hotel where they go to the airport and hop on a private jet. And she has video of this because she was so excited. She'd never been on a private jet. So she videotaped like her experience and... um. You know, there is a team there. There's a really big, tall, muscular dude that she finds out is Peter, who is his bodyguard. He has a secretary on board. Um, and then, of course, there's the baby mama and his daughter. And they have this incredible meal. And then they, when they touch down in Bulgaria, she ends up in a car with the daughter and the baby mama. And so she fa- she found this to be a good time to ask some questions sure and and the mother of his daughter said you know Simon is a really wonderful man he's an incredible father and even though he and I didn't work out and we're not together he still fully supports us and um you've bagged yourself a good one here babe good for you oh, so that that really that really gives her like you know a lot of comfort to hear this woman who had been in a relationship who had a child with him like to speak so highly of him she's like okay that makes me feel better about the fact that I just hopped on a jet with a guy I met earlier today so they get in the elevator at the hotel and they kind of look at each other and they share their first magical kiss in the elevator. 
they they do end up sleeping together that night and she does notice that he has these scars on his back and she asks him like what are these and he explains that uh, he had been falsely imprisoned in South Africa when a diamond deal that he was working on fell through and the people he thought he was doing the deal with like basically like stabbed him in the back and got him a got him arrested and then I guess because he was Jewish he was treated really bad in the prison and that's and where he was beaten and that's why he has all these horrible scars on his back and she's like oh that's a new element of uh this like beautiful man who seems to have a perfect life clearly has like also gone through some shit so Cecilia returns to London the next day he's going to continue on working she's a little bummed because she wanted to keep hanging out but also she has to get back to her normal life so she returns home and she's just like god I really hope I hear from this guy again and she does and they begin texting and calling and facetiming every day I think it's her birthday he can't be there because he's traveling for work but he sends her a bouquet of a hundred red roses and there's a picture of it it's like the biggest most beautiful, insane thing you've ever seen. It's probably like a $5,000 bouquet of flowers. Um, he had visit. He visits her in London twice after their first date there, but it is hard for them to spend actual time together because he's always traveling for work. However, she flew home to Oslo uh, and she had asked him, you know, like, maybe you could come. And he's like, well, I can't, I don't have any work in Oslo. Why I can't come to Oslo. I'm, you know, I'm traveling around for work. But he, he, he was lying because he surprised her and showed up by private jet just to spend a few hours with her and to, like, meet her mom or whatever. Uh, and while there, he asks her, you know, I really like you and I'd really like it if you would if you would want to be my girlfriend. And she is overjoyed, you guys. She feels like she's met, like, literal Prince Charming here. And she is like, oh, my God, yes, I would love to be your girlfriend. He's like, okay. But if we're going to be in a real relationship, there's a couple of things I feel like I need to tell you about my the way my life works. And so he explains that at the moment, he is working on a $70 million diamond deal. And as a result of this big deal, he's been receiving threats from his enemies. And his security team at the moment does not feel that London is a safe place for him. So he wants her to be his girlfriend, but he's not going to be in her hometown for a while. He's not going to be visiting her at home in London because um, it's considered a dangerous, like by a security, like he just shouldn't be in London. His enemies are many in London, I guess. My God. All right. So then we cut to a woman named Pernilla. And again, I'm going to mess this last name up. Uh, Showholm, Showholm from Stockholm. And she also matched with Simon on tinder and he so she's in stockholm and he's like hey i live in amsterdam how about i fly you down here and we have coffee and she's like really and he's like yeah yeah i'd love to meet you i feel like we'd be a good so he buys her a plane ticket y'all flies her from stockholm to amsterdam they meet up for coffee she is immediately you know taken in by again how charming he is what a great listener he asks questions he listens really well which she describes as being a pretty rare quality in most men that she was meeting um and so they end up having this like amazing day. They go for this incredible extravagant lunch where she's like, I've never eaten such amazing food in my life. They're walking around Amsterdam. She spots a diamond museum and she's like, well, Prince of Diamonds, let's go in here and you can show me what you got and your knowledge of diamonds. And she said, never go to a diamond museum again unless you can go with somebody who works with diamonds. It's so much fun to be in a museum with somebody who really knows it. So they're having this great day. They're, they're having so much fun but and at some point during the date Simon kind of like leans in to kiss her and they both burst out laughing 
because they realize that while they're having a wonderful time, there's they're not having a romantic connection. They're having like a we have we feel like we've been friends our whole life connection. Ah. And so it it does not become romance, but they their friendship continues to flourish after this. And they would talk on the phone and text and FaceTime. And, you know, anytime he was in Stockholm, they would get together, but never, they, it, it, you know, it wasn't romantic. It was a friendship. So back in London, Simon has now asked Cecilia if she would want to move in with him. And she's like, hell yeah. And he tells her, well, you should start looking for apartments and gives her a budget of $15,000 a month. And so she, there's, she's walking, doing tours of all these luxury apartments. She's got him on FaceTime. They finally find a place. And then she's ecstatic, right? So she's going to live with her dream man in this beautiful new flat that, you know, they picked out together. And even though he's not around a lot because he's traveling and he can't be in London right now for security reasons, you know, she's over the moon. Like she feels like her her dreams are coming true. Then she gets a text in the middle of the night. And I think this is about five weeks into their relationship. She receives a text in the middle of the night from Simon that says blood, Ew. followed by a, tech, a a photo that's been texted to her of his bodyguard, Peter, who's like, he's, he's a bald guy and the back of his head is covered in blood. Oh my God. And, Ce- and Cecilia, of course, is like, oh my God, what the, what the hell's going on? And he texts back, you know, uh, we were walking down the street and someone tried to stab me and Peter intervened and saved his life. And then Simon sends Cecilia a video of him and Peter in the back of an ambulance being treated by a medic. And he's telling her, you know, it's been a crazy night, but we're safe now. Go back to bed. Um, I'm going to call you tomorrow. There's nothing you can do, obviously, for me. I just wanted to let you know I was okay, And I'll, I'll call you the next day. Okay, so. He tells her the next day when he calls that his security team basically believes that his enemies are tracking him through his spending. Now, I think it's important to note that he sent her not just a photo of his bodyguard clearly having been injured severely and bleeding from his head. He sent a video from an ambulance. So that makes these you threats, these, en- these enemies he's telling her about, they seem very, very real now. Like she has seen blood on the shirt of her man. And so she's not asking, she's not maybe in the, I mean, I don't know if she ever questioned it, but when you look at it through, you know, the lens of somebody who probably did believe him all the all along, but then she's getting video and photographic evidence that someone's out to get him. So he calls and he explains that his security b- believes that his enemies are tracking him by his spending. And so he has a favor to ask. He asks Cecilia if she has an American Express card. And she's like, yes. And he's like, okay, can you link it to my account? And so I can use the Amex that has your name on it so that my enemies can't follow me. Now, in her mind, this is her boyfriend. Like, of course, he would ask her for this help. They, He trusts her. She trusts him. This is a normal thing to ask in this bizarre situation. So she agrees. Now, Simon quickly maxes her credit card out because his lavish spending, like she doesn't have a, she doesn't have that black Amex that has no limit. You know, right. she's like a regular, you know, like American platinum card. So he maxes it out real quickly. But he immediately sends her money to the bank to cover it, to pay it off. And then he asks Cecilia to fly to Amsterdam to, and bring him $25,000 in cash. And she's like, why cash? That makes me nervous. I don't want to travel with $25,000 in yeah. cash. And he's like, well, cash is untraceable, Cecilia. Like anything I buy with cash cannot be traced. My enemies can't find me. Now, Cecilia is, as I mentioned, in grad school 
and she does have a job like she has a full-time job but she doesn't have $25,000 in cash lying around and so she's like how am I supposed to come up with that kind of money and Simon tells her just take out a loan and I will repay you oh my god plus interest but I need this money urgently because basically he has to pay for the travel of his whole team right so he doesn't travel alone he travels with like four other people and they have to be on the move doing all these deals to get this big diamond deal through plus evading his enemies so so basically she takes out a loan and she brings him $25,000 in cash to Amsterdam. Now, while they're together in Amsterdam and she's so happy to actually be with him because, you know, it's all FaceTime. It's all texting and audio messages and yeah. stuff like that. So she doesn't get to be with him a lot. And she's so excited to get to be together with him, even though it was like really stressful for her to travel to Amsterdam with all this cash on her. But while they're together, Peter, the bodyguard, calls Simon. And so Simon basically takes the call, but he puts it on speaker and uh, Peter tells both of them that there's been a security breach, that his enemies know his current location, that he, that Simon has to leave right now, get to the airport. The jet is 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 fueled up, and he cannot let he can't even let Simon know where they're going to fly to next. And basically, he frantically packs his bag, and he's like, "I have to go." And he leaves Cecilia in his apartment in Amsterdam, and he's like, "I'll let you know where I where I end up." And she's like, "Okay." <laughs> And she's terrified. She's like, wait, are, am I in danger? Like, right. you didn't take me with you, but obviously maybe they don't know who I am. Um, and so she's terrified for him and she can see how stressed out he is and she hates that he's having to deal with all of this. So the following day, he basically reaches out to Cecilia and he lets her know that he is now in Stockholm. In Stockholm, Pernilla gets a text from Simon that's like, hey. I'm in Stockholm partying. You should come join me. I hope you can see how these two things are, are yeah. overlapping. All right. Uh, and so she goes to this club where Simon is surrounded by a sea of women. She said he's buying champagne for everyone and openly like paying for all of it with cash. Right. And he's very generous. There's like he's probably paying for drinks for like 50 people. And he probably knows three of them. Um, and Pernilla immediately notices that Everyone, including his bodyguard, Peter, are they're drunk, like they're having fun, but they're pretty drunk. And even though she was, you know, really excited to see Simon, her friend, she's not feeling this scene. This is not this isn't her this isn't her deal. Mm -hmm. And so she only actually stays for like 10 or 15 minutes. And she's like, you have fun. Enjoy your night. If you want to grab coffee tomorrow, give me a call in the morning. So then the next day, she reaches out to see if Simon wants to grab coffee and he texts her back a geotag of his location which lets her know that he's already left Stockholm. So he was just there for the night to party. He's out. He's now in Barcelona. At this point in their relationship, Cecilia is constantly receiving texts from Simon that her Amex card either isn't working or is like being blocked, you know, like frozen. Uh -huh. Because it's a lot of travel. It's like country to country to country. And her card had never done anything like this before. So she is trying to, in real time, get on the phone with customer service telling them that it is her using the card. She is, in fact, where the card is, but she's also, like, frantically texting Simon, like, I need to know the exact amount you just tried to spend so that I can tell them so that they believe that I'm the one using the card. And this is keeping her, you know, this is, like, a constant thing she's dealing with. And she's really stressing about it because she's like, I'm lying to the credit card company. And, you know, he's getting frustrated because her card keeps being blocked. He then tells her once she gets it unblocked for him that she needs to get her credit extended to a higher amount because 
he's he has to pay for his whole team. And she's like, I don't make enough money to qualify for more than this. And so he says, all right, I'll tell you what, I'm going to hire you. You're now an employee at LLD Diamonds. And she's like, what? She's like, give me a second. He makes some phone calls and uh, she sends him her passport details. And then she gets sent a bunch of paperwork with a couple of pay stubs saying that she is an employee at LLD Diamonds and earns $94,000 a month, which is roughly like one point to eight million a year or something crazy um and she's concerned because she's like this is fraud simon like i don't work there and he's like yeah you do i'm the ceo if anybody calls my company and asks if you work there you do work there and she's like okay and so she sends the paperwork through to amex and like instantly when they see her pay stub they extend her line of credit to a more simon friendly amount I'm so stressed uh, out right now for her. It's yes, not I know. even funny. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, this poor woman. Yeah. Oh That's my God. That's why like watching this, watching this documentary, like the amount of times I covered my eyes, I covered my whole face with my hands. I was like, oh my God, stop. So after her credit get, gets raised, Simon does send her a wire transfer for $250,000 and saying that that money is going to be more than enough to cover what he puts on this Amex. So I'm guessing she did get extended to like something, those crazy ones where there is no limit. Okay. We cut back to Pernilla, who is now on vacation in Mykonos when she gets a phone call from Simon, who is telling her he's so excited. He has met this new girl and he's just crazy about her. And her name is Paulina. Uh Uh-oh. Now Pernilla is like, oh, cool. Well, what are you guys up to? You guys should come meet me in Greece. And he's like, totally. So he takes Paulina and uh, flies to Mykonos to meet up with Pernilla. Now, Cecilia, at the same time, is back in Oslo visiting family and friends. And Simon has promised her that he's going to meet her there to, like, meet everybody. But he calls her and tells her he cannot come to Oslo because his security team says that it's not safe. So he just flew to Greece and he's calling Cecilia and being like, my security says it's not safe for me to travel to Oslo. Now, Cecilia's feeling very sad about this also kind of embarrassed because all of her family and friends like came over for this gathering to meet her boyfriend who is now not showing up but she does believe in her heart that Simon's safety has to come first so she's like of course stay safe I will see you soon uh, then we cut then we cut back to Greece where Penilla is meeting Simon and his new girlfriend Russian model Paulina she thinks they're a good match and it's clear that Simon's pretty smitten with Paulina but she also does mention that she's pretty young uh, like 20. Anyway, the trio party hard in Mykonos. They even go to Bon Bonnier, which is known as the Billionaires Club. And it's like to just even go, you must buy a $2,000 table just to enter. You have to reserve a table and that costs 2000 bucks. And then Pernilla men- mentions though, she's like, but to billionaires, that's coffee money. And I was like, oh, bleh but also true. And they go, so they go to the billionaire's club. Simon, before she can even attempt to pitch in for the bill, Simon has covered the whole thing and they bought several bottles of champagne. They, you know, they were living it up at the billionaire's club. Cecilia is asked by Simon during this time period to take out more loans because the American Express card is maxed out again. Now, She's starting to hesitate with all these requests because Absolutely. the debt she's ra- yeah the debt she's racking up is serious. But Simon has assured her that he's going to pay her back, and she has no reason to believe he, he can't. Has, she, right? Yeah. Yeah. In he's already paid her back several times. She's been on his private jet and like flown, you know, been flown to his wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous apartment in Amsterdam. Like she knows he has money, and that it's just that he can't use his own money right now because he can be tracked that way. Or this is what she believes to be true. But she is starting to be like, um. 
I'm really, it's a lot of money that I have now taken out in loans. And she's basically hearing from him every second or third day saying he's run out of money and he needs more. So it's not even like a week and he's cool. It's like everything she sends him is always gone within two to three days. I mean, my thought is um, like, don't you think his dad would, they'd find out, you know, if he really was, yeah. Right. He'd find a way to get money. (laughs) I know. And then every time he does re-max out her Amex card, He's asking her every time the card gets maxed, he asks her to take out a loan. So Perdilla bids goodbye to Simon and Paulina and Mykonos. And they they tell her they're going to continue their little summer tour. Their, France is next. And they're going to go to Vienna and Switzerland. But then they say, hey, Pernilla, you should meet up with us in Rome in a couple of weeks because we're going to end up in Rome. And she's like, OK. So she meets them in Rome. They're taken all around in a, in a Rolls Royce to see all of the big sites. They go to the Trevi Fountain, the Spanish Steps. They have amazing meals and this amazing adventure. At this point in time, Cecilia has taken out $250,000 in loans. And these are high interest loans too. Mm. So it's way more than that in the end. And her Amex card is maxed out. So Simon tells her that he has wired her the money she's giving him. Uh, that she's given him, but it's not showing up in her account, right? So he keeps telling her, like, I sent you the money. And she's like, okay, but it isn't here. Like, there is no money in my account. She's clearly frustrated and annoyed. And so he basically says, okay, come to Amsterdam. Come meet me at my apartment. I will physically hand you a check so that, you know, we don't have to deal with wire transfers. So she flies out to see him. And when she walks into his his apartment, there is already the check for her is sitting on the desk, already made out to her, and it's made out to her for $500,000, which is double the amount that she had given him in loans. And he's like, that's because you were so wonderful to help me and to do all of this and to like put yourself in this. I want to. I just want to say thank you. So basically, he's giving her her loan back and then giving her Interest that much money 60%. as well. Yeah. All right. So, so even though the check thing is pretty cool, she's like, ooh, that, that doesn't, you know, thank you because she does need the money because she has no money. Um, she notices that there's just, there's a distance and a coldness from Simon that she'd never experienced before. And she keeps trying to penetrate that and get back to like them. And he just, it's like he's shut off. Like there's a cloud over his eyes is how she described it. So they have, they spend kind of an uncomfortable night together nothing good it's not a happy romantic reunion and then she returns to london and she immediately deposits the check from simon because at this point she has no money in the bank she has no usable credit card and she has over nine creditors basically like coming at her through emails every day being like you need to repay this loan you need to there's over nine oh my god different different banks and creditors coming after her so she immediately deposits the check and she checks her bank account every day until the check and, and the check still isn't in there. So after four days, she calls the bank and they inform her that they will not be cashing the check, but they cannot tell her why. They just say, sorry, that check is not going through. And she's like, what? And they're like, we can't really disclose anything further. So she's freaking out. Yeah. She calls Simon. She tells him the bank won't cash the check. And he basically, his reaction is basically like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I did my part. I wrote the check. I gave you the check. It's not my problem if they won't cash it. Like, fuck this. I'm, I did what I said I would do. And she has never heard him sound so like mean yes. and cruel and cold. And that she's like, the person on the phone was no longer her boyfriend. It was just this cold, mean man. Um, sorry, I lost my pl- place. Okay, so at this point, Cecilia calls the Amex helpline. 
And she explains what's been going on with her card. And the people who are talking to her can literally hear how stressed out and freaked out she is about what's happening that they're like you know what ma'am we're gonna send two of our service customer representatives to you just hang tight we'll be there shortly maybe this will be easier to clear up in person so the amex reps show up and cecilia tells them everything she tells them that she gave simon her card that she sent them false employment records so she could have a higher limit and that she was never with him when he was using it but she was calling and saying she was there so that they would unfreeze the card. But technically, it was her card, right? And she did say, I gave it to him. Yeah. Um, and so as she's like going through all of this, she thinks she's like going to get arrested for for fraud mm. at this moment. And sorry, blah, 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 blah. Okay, um, she's then asked by the Amex people. I Sorry, I lost my place, guys. That was a very long pause. Um if she happens to have a picture of her boyfriend, and of course she does, she's got hundreds of pictures of Simon. All they ever do is like send photos yes. of each other. Um, so she pulls up a good picture and she hands the phone over to them. And she says the moment the two of them looked at each other, looked back at her and says, yep, that's the guy. Like her heart fell into her stomach. Um, they ask her, like, what name did he give you? And she says his name is Simon um, Leviev. And they said, yeah, yeah, that's one of the many names he uses. And Cecilia's floored. She's like, what? One of the many names he uses? Like, who the who the hell is this guy? Like, I, she lived with this man. She shared a bed with this man. And she's like, and now you're telling me everything he told me about himself isn't true? You know? Um, so she finds out that he is not the son. That Lev Leviev is a real man, a real diamond king billionaire from Israel but he does not have a son named Simon uh. so every single thing he told her about who he was what his life was who his family was uh none of it was true and the Amex people explain this is a a pro like this is, we, we've been we've been trying to find this guy like this is a professional con man uh who is doing a really good job of uh of conning women and Cecilia is not just devastated about the money. She's devastated because, in a way, she still loved Simon or she loved the man that she had thought he was. Now mm -hmm. she knows that man doesn't exist, but she's still, you know, dealing with the heartbreak of that. So she calls her mom and explains everything that's going on. She breaks down. Her mom's like, come home, babe. I'll help you. We'll figure this out. But just come home. So do they call the police? I mean, I assume the they, authorities. They, they're were gonna, they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna get to that. So she, she looks back and she sees that the last messages between her and Simon, they're all financial. She's like, you know, I still haven't received the money, and the last thing he said is, "I'm working on it." And she realizes that every single text between them, for like the last several, probably even weeks at this point, they're all about money. There's no, there's no relationship yeah. happening here. This is like all money. And so she's just like, fuck it. She blocks him. She's like, I'm just cutting. I'm cutting the cord. So she blocks his, his number and heads home. Now, Holman's, when she's home in Oslo visiting her mom, they get a voicemail on her mom's landline from Simon. That's like relatively, like relatively threatening. He tells her that he's, he's just leaving this message to give her a warning that every action will have a reaction. Basically, like you try to do anything to me. I'll do something to you. Now, she's freaked because one, like, how did he know she was in Oslo? She didn't tell him. She blocked his number so he shouldn't be able to, like, track her phone or anything weird. So she calls the cops. Good. Um, and basically the police are like, eh, I don't really know what you want us to do. There's not much we can do here. 
They don't seem all that concerned, in fact, at all that he somehow knows where she is and has all of her personal information. And at this point, she's drowning in debt is how she describes it. So like the interest rate rates are so high on these loans that she took out that like there is no way she can pay this back. And she feels herself just being pulled, you know, she's pulled under and she's driving home one night and she sees the headlights coming towards her of like, she called it a trailer, which I think maybe is like the same as a semi truck or something here. Oh, yeah. And she she had this moment where she thought, what if I just just turn the wheel just a little bit and end all of this? And it, it was at that moment that she realized that the the financial and emotional basically abuse that had been inflicted or put upon her kind of without her really even understanding what was happening had led her to a place where she was like fully now having suicidal thoughts. So she checked herself into a psychiatric ward to be monitored Good for to make her. sure she didn't to make sure she did not hurt herself. That's hard. Um, and I just my heart was just breaking for her at this point. She's like, I just didn't know what to do. It really scared me that I like considered swerving into oncoming traffic just yeah. to make this stop, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, Simon. Go, you suck so bad. Yeah. All right. So back in Stockholm, Pernilla starts receiving text after text after text from Simon. He's now sending her news articles and the headlines um, say things like billionaire's son held in smuggling case. She's like, what? So she calls him and when he answers, he sounds really panicky. Um, the police had basically frozen all of his family's accounts while they were investigating a diamond smuggling claim. He then tells her that a woman who had worked at LLD, and there are newspaper articles for these about the smuggling, like they're real newspaper articles, and about a woman who was employed at LLD who um, they, who was being investigated in this smuggling scheme, and she had supposedly died by suicide out of jumping out of her oh. office building. But Simon believed that it was his family's enemies, and they had actually pushed her out the window to make it look like a suicide, but she'd in fact been murdered. And he's clearly very, very worried. So a few days after that initial like news articles about his family being in duress, their accounts all being frozen because they're under investigation. Uh, Simon's uh, starts sending Pernilla's phone message after message after message. And when she opens them, she finds a photo of Peter, his bodyguard, whose head is covered in blood, followed by a video of Simon and Peter in an ambulance being treated by a paramedic. Of course, she calls him and she's like, what is going on? He tells her one of his enemies tried to stab him, but Peter intervened and saved his life. And then a few minutes after they get off the phone, Pernilla receives a vo- like an audio message from Simon asking her for a favor. He tells her he's embarrassed to even have to ask, but would it be possible for her to loan him $30,000? Now, Pernilla didn't have $30,000 lying around. <laughs> um, in fact, she'd been living at home with her mom for the past three months because she was saving up to buy an apartment. So she had been trying to save as much money as she could. But she also felt like if her if her really good dear friend's safety was in jeopardy, like helping him stay safe is more important than buying an apartment. So she basically cleared out her savings and transferred Simon $30,000. I hate this guy. I know. And Simon is like so thankful. Like when they speak, he's like, thank you so much. Like you're the greatest friend I've ever had. So let's cut back to Cecilia, who's lying in bed in the psychiatric ward, going through all of the photos and messages and just trying to piece together everyone she met. Because she knew now that Simon was lying about everything. But what about his team? Peter, the bodyguard or the secretary? Like, were they lying? Did they know? What about the woman with the kid who was supposedly the mother of Simon's little girl? Was that his little girl? Like, who are these people? So Cecilia then calls the Amex people again that she'd spoken to and 
she was just like, can you give me any more information? I know you guys are trying to find this guy. Like, can you give me any more information about Simon Leviev? And they basically are like, Google Shimon or Shimon Hayut. And you'll find answers there. So she Googles Shimon Hayut and she comes across a Finnish newspaper article. So she clicks on that Google Translate to translate it into English. And holy shit, the name of the article is Israeli Multimillionaire That Cheated on Women. So back in 2015, Shimon Hayut had been defrauding three separate Finnish women. The victims' identities are kept confidential, obviously, but the story that he had been telling these women was pretty similar. Um, He asked them for financial help. He told them he was in danger from his enemies. To one of the women, he said he was an arms dealer. To the others, he said that he was a Mossad agent. I mean, just the balls on this guy. Um, Shimon Hayut had actually been convicted of defrauding these women out of tons of money and was sent to prison for three years in Finland. But it seems that while he was there, he came up with a way to continue his grift and spent his time behind bars perfecting his techniques so that next time he wouldn't get caught. Because you notice like it, it, this all happened in Finland with three different Finnish women. Uh-huh. So he stayed in one place, defrauded three people in the same place and got caught. So I think we definitely know he learned never to stay in one place for too long from this experience. So Cecilia decides someone has to stop this guy and she decides that she is going to be the one to stop him. That's right. So she goes, I I know all the women in this. I'm just like, I just, yes, girl, ruin his life. So she goes to the biggest newspaper in Norway, which is called VG newspaper. And she tells them her story, praying that they will believe it and want to investigate further. And then also take the story public. Yeah. So Natalie Hansen assholes face across the media. I know, right? Because they talk about in the beginning how, like, once you connect with someone on a profile, of course you Google them. So at this point, she's like, well, I want if someone Googles Simon Leviev, yeah. I, I want to control what pops up there. So Natalie Hansen and Christopher Kumar, who are video journalists at VG, they like to them, they're like, this was the craziest story anyone had ever brought to us. It sounded like something out of a, like the plot was something out of a movie, like a billionaire's son who's fleeing his enemies, but is actually a con artist stealing money. Um. And so they asked Cecilia, like, what kind of documentation do you have? Like, we can't just go forward with this. Like, we have to we have to do some investigating and prove that what you're saying is true. Fair, fair. And so Cecilia, well, at first, like the idea of all of the like intimate messages and videos and snuggling, you know, and taking pictures of each other, you know, while they were in bed, stuff like that. She's she's embarrassed to reveal all of it. But in the end, she's like. Fuck it. She gives him everything she has. Every communication she ever had with Simon, every video, every audio message, every text message, every email, she gives it all to them. And the journalists, basically it's 400 pages of texts, photos, videos, voice messages, emails. So the journalists start piecing everything together to see if they can kind of see how the con developed minute by minute. And they, ex- they explain in the documentary, like, how their first date was meant to manipulate Cecilia into seeing how wealthy Simon was. Right. He did not ask her for any money for, like, well over a month after they had been in a relationship. And he had spent that month not only making her fall in love with him, but showing her just how wealthy he was so that when he did ask her for money, she would never doubt his ability to pay her back. So that was that was the grooming portion. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cecilia sends the VG journalists the finished article she found. 
about the three Finnish women, and they decide that the first thing that they need to do is to prove that Shimon Hayut and Simon Levayev are, in fact, the same person. Because they might not be. They probably are, but they'd have to prove that. Sure. So they re- yeah. So they reach out to the Finnish police. They ask them if they can please have the identities of the three women who had accused Shimon of defrauding them. And once they had their photos and info, they had Ce- Cecilia look at them to see if she recognized any of these women. So she's looking through. The first two women are complete strangers. She has no idea who they are. But to her utter horror, when she gets to the third victim, it's it's the woman with the little girl who'd been on the jet. Oh, my God. Who had told her that Simon was a great father and a great <gasps> man and that she, she, you know, was wise to date him. This is the same woman that had been defrauded and put Simon in prison. And so Cecilia, she doesn't understand why this woman had been there. She, you know, she she's furious. She's like, why would she not have warned me? What was she even doing there? She got him put in prison. Why is she now on the jet? And then telling me. Anyway, police are still refusing to get involved unless VG can like definitively prove that Shimon and Simon are one and the same. And they don't have much. So they're Googling Shimon Hayut and it leads them to nothing. The only thing that they know for sure is that both Shimon and Simon are from Israel. So they reach out to um, a very well-known Israeli investigative journalist named Yuri Blau. And Yuri is able to track down the last known address of Shimon Hayut. So they hop a plane. They meet up with Yuri in Israel and they visit Shimon's last known address. Now, when they get there, they don't find Shimon, but they do meet his mother who basically says she has not seen her son since he was 18. She does not have it. She does not know where he is. And they're like, well, this is his last known address. And she's like, well, he changed his name and address. And they're like, well, what's his name? She's like, he's not Shimon anymore. He is Levayev. So his own mother says that her son, Shimon, Hayut that is no longer like Hayut. proof to me. Yeah, is now Levayev. So with that info, basically his mom confirming it, they take a photo of Simon to the Israeli police and they they say, do you know who this man is? And the police officer in the documentary is great. She she looks at the picture and she's like, yeah, that is uh, Simon Levayev. But before that, he used to be called Shimon Hayut. And they're like, oh, the cop, like she knows exactly who he is. And that's because he's a fugitive who's wanted in Israel. Oh, my he was, God. Uh, he had been charged with forging several different checks from employers, stealing checks from like places where he had been, you know, doing like construction or even in one case, I think babysitting, um, like taking blank checks. And so he had been charged with fraud. And then he basically fled the country, never showed up to his court date. He forged a passport and fled in 2015 instead of appearing in court. So he is he's a wanted man. They also say that he, his history of defrauding people started when he was like 11. How, is it a learned behavior or did he just like have a pension I don't know. for I'm, grifting? And well, where his mom lived was definitely was a very run down, very like poor area okay. in Israel. So so he obviously didn't come from much. He was surviving. He, he wanted to have everything. Gotcha. And so he learned that he just thought, I'll just take it then. So now it's official. Simon's already a wanted man. They just have to fi- figure out where the hell he is because the guy moves around a lot. Right. Blast so now there really image. is cause for. Yeah. The for there's cause for the police to get involved at this point. They're like, oh, this guy's actually a fugitive. Did you know that? All right. So meanwhile, Simon is asking Pernilla if she could just loan him a little bit more money. Now, she's worried because he was already supposed to have paid her back the thirty thousand dollars and had not yet done so. But he assured her everything is fine. 
uh, that he's going to have her money back soon. So she transfers him another $10,000. Now, the following week, Simon texts Pernilla a photo of a bank receipt that shows him transferring $100,000 from his Credit Suisse account into her Liar. bank account. Now, this is she, right? She'd only loaned him $40,000. And he tells her that the the additional $60,000 is a thank you for being a true friend to him who was there when he needed him. And she's like overwhelmed by his generosity. And she's like, thank you so, so much, Simon. I, I'm overwhelmed. But of course, after several days, that money is still not in Pernilla's bank account. Mm. Now, Simon actually reaches out to her and tells her that the bank needs him to physically come in like to the bank building with his lawyers to sign some paperwork so that the transfer transfer can go through. Um, but he's going to need another favor to make that happen because he... The reason he has to go in in person is because, you know, his accounts have been frozen and because of the investigation. And so he can't fly himself to the bank. So he asks if she could please buy him a plane ticket so he can get to the bank. And he tells her the way it works is that the money has already left his account, which is why. Oh, sorry. He tells her the money has already left his account, which is why he can't pay for the flight, but it won't enter into her account until he goes into the bank in person to sign some papers. So Pernilla buys his plane ticket and then he asks her for help with another flight and another flight and still the money hasn't come into her bank account and she's freaking out at this point because she's like, I need my money back. That was all of my savings. i living at home with my mom. I gotta pay my bills and I was trying to get my own place. Now, uh, Simon tells her that they've frozen his, his accounts again because of the investigation. But if it works for her, he will happily fly her to Munich where he is going to be there on business. And he sends her a photo of like eight different watches. And he's like, I'll give you one of these watches. Each one of them is like worth over $100,000. So I'm so sorry about this. I know it's frustrating, but I will pay for you to come meet me. And I'll give you one of my watches to cover the cost of the money I, I told you I would give you. So she agrees. And Simon buys her a ticket to Munich. Now, we got the journalists from VG still on the case. Now, they've learned a lot, but they don't know where Simon is. So they start going back through those American Express records that Cecilia had given them. And in these records, they find several flights purchased with Cecilia's Amex. And what's cool about these records is that you don't just see that the tickets were purchased. You also see the name of the passenger the ticket was purchased for. So there's several tickets, you know, for Peter, the bodyguard, and for... um, his business partner, but also several tickets for different women. And uh, they see that Simon had bought a ticket to Amsterdam for a woman named Pernilla Schoholm. Okay. So they Getting find closer. her. On, yeah. They find her on Facebook and write her a message that says they're looking into a man named Simon Leviev who is posing as a diamond billionaire's son and cheating women out of their money. Now, Pernilla sees the message, panics, and forwards it to Simon, asking him if it's true. Oh, my God. He said, he says not to worry. This is just his enemies attempting to gather information on him. And he's doing everything he can to keep to keep her calm. But deep down, she's like, this guy's fucking stolen my money, hasn't he? Yeah. This guy who I thought was my friend has stolen my money. And a little later, her phone rings and she's getting a phone call from one of the journalists at VG. And he asks her, listen, if I fly to Stockholm, could we meet for, cof- for coffee? And um, and we can just go through everything that you that you know. And I'll tell you everything that I know. So they meet the next day and tell Pernilla everything that Cecilia was put through, everything they found out about the women in Finland and like the stolen checks in Israel. And she is furious, you guys. Uh, 
she she doesn't understand because this they were friends. They were just friends, good friends. They they confided in each other and and went on vacations together. Um, and she cared about him. And she just she she's so fucking mad. And the journalists are now thinking, okay, so Pranilla was not a love interest. So if he isn't just scamming romantic partners, how widespread is this scam? Which I mean, well, I guess we're gonna find out. So. Uh, Pernilla basically tells them all about the lavish traveling she did with Simon and that all the money that he spent, even in just the time she was with him, like in Mykonos in Spain, she's like, that doesn't add up to the $250,000 that Cecilia lent him. That was a hell of a lot more than $250,000. So definitely he's getting his money from someone else as well. So there's no way that, yeah, there's no way that's the only money or the only woman he was scamming. So after the journalists are looking through Pernilla's bank accounts, they come to the realization that Simon is essentially running a Ponzi scheme. He's using one woman's stolen money to romance and convince the next woman of his wealth. So basically he's using Cecilia's money to fly uh, Pernilla, you know, to Spain. And he's using Pernilla's money to then, you know, woo the next girl. So that's how it's the Ponzi scheme. It's like one woman's money is oh, financing I've been the next by woman's a Ponzi romance. scheme before. In fact, I was trying to explain to the kids what Ponzi schemes are. But yeah, I've definitely yeah. experienced that. I've been screwed over. It's before. it's so it's so horrible. And because the he, he was always using a credit card that had the woman who was helping him's name on it. And she had given it to him. He had like plausible deniability that he had been given uh, his friend had loaned him the credit card. He had permission to use it, and he also moved around a lot. So this is why it's like the perfect scam. He's technically, in the eyes of the law, they said you could use my card. You said I could use it. Also, uh, they can't find him. That helps when you're trying to stay out of right. jail. So they ask uh, Pernilla, basically, like, do you know where he is? And she's like, actually, I do. I'm I'm leaving in 10 hours to meet this motherfucker in Munich <laughs> because he's going to give me a watch that he owes me for this money that he was supposed to pay me back. So they say, would you be willing to help us out? Um, they they want to basically obtain photographic evidence that the man telling Pernilla that his name is Simon Leviev is, in fact, Shimon Hayut, the Israeli fugitive. She's like, fuck, yes, I'll help you. Yeah. So Pernilla immediately agrees. They travel with her to Munich. They bring along a stealth photographer who's able to capture pictures of Simon picking Pernilla up at the airport and of her meeting them um meeting Simon and his business partner at the Mandarin Oriental Hotel for dinner. At dinner, Simon gives Pernilla his $100,000 watch. But however, after dinner, when Pernilla, Simon, and um, Avishai is his business partner's name, uh, are leaving the hotel, the two men spot the stealth photographer and they immediately start panicking and speaking in Hebrew to each other. But like seriously freaking out. And Pernilla can't understand a word they're saying. She's like, oh my God, do they know I set them up? Uh, what's happening? And they're like, they start screaming, get in the car, get in the car. So they all jump in the car and then they go tearing through Munich. And Pernilla is panicking. She's just like, what's going on? And then Simon is saying, we, th- we think someone was uh, photographing me. And that means that my enemies have found me. But they're speeding like crazy and screaming back and forth in Hebrew. And she's just like, ah. <laughs> so she, she convinces, she convinces the two of them. She's like, Simon, please, please just pull over really fast and let me out. Nobody connected to you. I have nothing to do with it. Please, please, please. I just, you guys are terrifying me. And so luckily they agree. They pull over and they let her get out of the car and then they tear off. Now, because he, you know, ran away because he spotted the photographer, they're not able to confront him in Munich. So the journalists had returned to Oslo to kind of work out their next steps. 
Back home, Pernilla takes the watch that Simon gave her to a pawn shop. Not surprisingly, he lets her know there that that's a fake and absolutely worthless. And she's like, of course it is, because everything about him is fucking fake. Mm. So she actually calls the journalist and she's like, I want to confront Simon. I want the truth. And um, if you guys want to be there when I do and film it or do whatever you want so you can have it for the article, let's do this. So basically, they film her while she on speaker calls Simon and fully confronts him with everything she knows, how she knows about the Cecilia. He knows she knows about the Finnish woman. She knows about him being a fugitive wanted in Israel. And he the confrontation gets ugly and mean and basically ends up with Simon threatening her telling her that if she's double-crossed him, she will pay for it for the rest of her life, to which she retorts, I'm already going to pay for it for the rest of my life because you took everything from me. That's good. And she's clearly... Good retaliation. Yeah, she's clearly... Yeah, she's very devastated, of course, but he is mean and still denies, 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 and then threatens. So at this point in time, Cecilia Pernilla and the journalist decide it's time to just go to print. We have what we need. We have the proof. So we're going to go to print. And... The only thing that their their goal at this point is, to, like you mentioned, make this article as widely seen as possible so that enough people know his name and his face that it will no longer be possible for him to pull this scam anymore. Um, Cecilia and Pernilla are both aware that because uh, of the nature of the world we live in today, there was going to be a lot of hate, a lot of uh, dirt slung at them uh, for the, you know, the personal information that they would be sharing. Uh, and they were not wrong. The internet trolls really came for them. They called them stupid gold diggers who got what they deserved. Uh, but on the flip side, there were many people who f- who felt horrible that this had happened to them, outraged. And the amount of shares and views officially meant that this article went viral. Good. And, and they were victims. Cecilia, and they were victims. And Cecilia and Pernilla, they finally meet in person. They immediately have a bond. And the two of them decide that despite the trolls and the hate, that they don't want the momentum behind the article to stop. They want it to get even bigger. So these two badass ladies, they go on like a an interview tour. It's interview <laughs> after interview them. and talk Publicity show after talk tour, show yeah. <laughs> in countries all over the world. And they say repeatedly They are doing these interviews to make sure that the next time someone on Tinder matches with Simon and Googles his name, that the Tinder Swindler article, that's the name of the article, is the very first thing that comes up. That's their whole goal. They would also like the police to feel the pressure from the public and the media and maybe do something about this. Yeah. Um, You know, that's not that's not a small second afterthought. It's like pretty equal there. So after the article came out, hundreds of people came forward and told their own Simon Leviev horror story, Leviev horror stories. Simon had hired like chauffeurs and like pilots and somehow figured out a way to stick them like the people he hired to drive the Rolls Royce Uh. they would get stuck with the bill and uh, there were also people that had hired Simon in the past and he had stolen money from them and uh, so it's not just romance as they guess it wasn't just Tinder all right so even though after the article came out Simon Leviev was reported to the police in at least seven seven different countries, nothing happened. He was still a free man running around, able to continue his con until you guys drum roll. I know this has been long, but drum roll, please, because my very favorite my very favorite person is about to enter. I'm calling her. Where did I? I just lost my place. All right, so he's he's a free man able to continue his con until the Beyonce of this Destiny's Child band of women came across the Tinder Swindler article, and Beyonce's real name is Eileen Charlotte. Eileen Charlotte was sitting on an airplane in Prague waiting to take off after visiting her boyfriend, Simon Leviev. 
She's scrolling through social media when she sees a picture of her boyfriend above an article called The Tinder Swindler. And she immediately thinks, like, what the fuck is this? She sent the article to Simon. He immediately calls her, but the plane's about to take off. So she basically ignores his call, downloads the article, puts her phone in airplane mode. (laughs) And then they take off and she starts to read. She sees that a woman named Cecilia had met him on Tinder. Charlotte had also met Simon on Tinder. She was also taken to a five-star hotel on their first date. At the time that uh, she found this article, so when she first read this, uh, Eileen had been dating Simon for 14 months. Oh, wow. They've been together for over a year. And in her belief, they were in a serious relationship. He was thoughtful and she loved him so much. They'd even recently started talking about settling down together and starting a family. As Eileen is scrolling through, because the article is pretty cool. It's interactive. It's not just text. It's videos. It's it's pictures of the texts oh, wow. from him and the videos he sent her. So as she's scrolling through the art- article, she clicks on a video Simon had sent Cecilia from his private jet where he's wearing a maroon colored blazer and sunglasses. And Simon, Simon says into the camera, Cecilia, my love, I love you and I miss you and I can't wait to see you. Eileen is literally like, what the actual Fuck, because she has the exact same video on her phone of the same flight in the same outfit with almost verbatim the same message said to her. So she's like, oh, my God. He's got a script. So she's horrified when she she sees that. As she continues to read the article, she sees the photos of Peter's bloody head in the video of him and Simon in an ambulance. And she had also been sent those things. So she starts going through her WhatsApp messages with Simon and she realizes that all of their messages are identical to the ones that he had been sending Cecilia. Like, good morning, darling. I miss you. How did you sleep? I can't. I wish we were together. Um, At the time of the videos of Cecilia going to the open houses and filming them to show them to Simon to find the two of them in an apartment, Simon had been in Amsterdam with Eileen asking her to look for apartments for them to share in Amsterdam. Um, She saw that at the time that he had told her he was going to be in Oslo for business was actually that trip where he surprised Cecilia by showing up in the middle of the night to spend a couple hours with her. But there was something that happened during their relationship with Simon that was a little different. While she was dating Simon, Eileen had been attacked by two men walking home one night. And like, like beaten up really bad. Oh, no. And Simon told her that he feared she had been targeted by his enemies. And that that's who had attacked her. So as she's reading the article, Eileen's heart is racing. Because not only had she obviously been cheated on by this man, but she had also lent Simon money. Yeah. And it started off small. He told her his enemies were tracking his phone. So initially she just bought him some SIM cards. But then he just kept asking for more and more and more. And 14 months into their relationship, she had given this motherfucker $140,000. Reading the article, she realizes that the money that she had given him to help him and his team fly around the world to do business and evade his enemies had just been spent on designer clothes and fancy dinners. And as she describes it, basically bullshit. (laughs) All the money I gave him was spent on basically bullshit. So when Aileen lands, she has nine missed calls from Simon. And he's telling her the article is fake, that Cecilia and Pernilla were probably paid by his enemies to lie about him. And she knows he's full of shit. Uh, So Eileen calls the police, but they tell her there's nothing they can do. They would need some time to actually build a case against him. But she knew that time was like the one thing you don't got with a fugitive on the run. You know, a man who never stays in one place twice. Uh, So Eileen wants to talk to one of the women from the article. So she finds Pernilla on Instagram, sends her a message. Pernilla calls Eileen and Eileen tells her that she is going to help the police catch Simon. But before she does that, there's one thing she's got to do first. She's going to get her money back. So Eileen doesn't exactly know what to do, 
But as Simon keeps desperately texting her, telling her his face is everywhere and his life is ruined, she realizes that she's actually in a very powerful position. He could not find any new targets to scam because of the article. And all he had was Eileen. He, you know, he had always told her, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. So she was like, I'm going to go ahead and take Simon's advice. And uh, she says in the movie in, in such an epic way, she was like, I decided that I was going to swindle the Tinder swindler. <laughs> so she tells Simon that she believes him, that she feels sorry for those uh Sorry for those bitches who wrote that article. I mean, she literally, and she said the whole time it's making her sick, but she's feeding him everything he wants to hear. Yeah. Because she had figured out a plan, guys. She had a way. She, it wouldn't be all the money she lost, but she was like, I have a way to get some of my money back. See, Eileen knows that Simon never wore anything that wasn't designer. It was always Gucci, Versace, Louis Vuitton, Dolce & Gabbana, fan, Rolexes, you know, fancy everything. And so he asked her for money. He's literally like, can you pawn your car? What about selling your apartment? And she's like, I can't do that. And she's like, but I have an idea because see, she worked in the high end fashion industry. So she knew that this wardrobe of his and all these accessories were worth like a fortune. So she suggests that she sell his clothes for him and they can use the money that she makes from those sales to, you know, help him with income. Uh, and he has all of his clothes with him. So they arrange for her to come meet him in Prague to pick them up. Now, she's really excited until she actually gets there and realizes that she has to see him yeah. and act like she that she loves him still and thinks he's wonderful. So. Oh, one other thing. This is important. Before she's leaving to go to Prague to meet him. He, Simon had an American Express card sent to Eileen's address and asked her to bring the card to him. So, of course, she opened it and the name on the card was David Sharon. So she takes a photo of it and sends it to the police and says, I believe that Simon Leviev is, is in the midst of creating a new identity. Just so you know, have this name on your radar. She gets to Prague, takes everything for her to act normal and loving towards Simon because all she wanted to do was scream at him. Um, and tell him that she hated him. But instead, she's like, I love you. I miss you. Uh, while they're in Prague, he tells Eileen he has an appointment and asks her to come along. And they arrive at a plastic surgeon's office where Eileen is inside her mind being like, what the actual fuck? Uh, Simon told the doctor that he wanted to change his cheekbones, his nose, his lips, and maybe his chin. And before he even finishes, the plastic surgeon cuts him off and says, I'm sorry, sir. I, I will not be performing any surgery on you. Only criminals request that kind of plastic oh. surgery. And she almost does a spit take with her water because she knows he's a criminal, yeah. but she's pretending that she does not believe that to be true. So Eileen pretends to comfort a sulking Simon after the plastic surger, surgeon is like, no, sir, only criminals would ever ask for that kind of thing. Wow. And they spend the rest. I know. Also, I just love the audacity of like, this is all terrible lies about me. Come with me to the plastic surgeon to see if I can change my entire face. <laughs> Seriously, like, what a narcissist just completely. I mean, total, like, no, yeah, narcissist is the perfect world. So they spend the rest of the day and night together. And to Eileen's great relief, Simon doesn't, like, try to put the moves on her that night because she does not know, like, how she could possibly do that. Yeah. So that ends up not being an issue. The following morning, Eileen packs up three massive suitcases with all of Simon's designer clothes. And as she, all on her own with no help from him, is like loading these giant bags into the trunk of the car, he hands her a letter and uh, asks her to read it on the plane. So she, with all his goods in tow, she boards her flight back to Amsterdam and she opens Simon's letter and reads it. And I'm not going to read the whole letter, watch the documentary, because she does. But she reads about... 
it basically is about how much he loves her, how he wants her to be the mother of his children, and how much her standing by him means uh, to him. And then he adds that just so she knows he's worth it. <laughs> and and then she says basically it's a letter full of bullshit. So once she gets home, and this is such a great moment in the documentary, they've got this fun like upbeat pappy like uh, peppy song playing, and she's steaming all the designer clothes. She starts selling his shit on the eBay. Um, and as the weeks go by, she and he keeps bugging her, being like, "Do you have my money from the the sale yet?" And she's like, "Oh, I haven't sold anything." And he is becoming increasingly erratic. He leaves her dozens of messages, and they're alternating between telling her, you know, how much he loves her and thank you so much, and then telling her she better fucking send him his money. <laughs> Now, Eileen has, in fact, been selling, 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 selling a bunch of his stuff, but she's never going to give Simon that money. Oh, no. Mm-mm. It's not going to come close to the 140000 she had given him, but paying him back in this manner when he was so desperate for cash uh, felt good. Now, after several weeks of her saying she hadn't sold anything yet, he knows that she's lying and that she's just not going to give him the money. Uh, and he basically starts, like threatening her he vacillates between threatening her and then apologizing and telling her he loves her and then he's like sending her pictures of him eating uh gasp leftovers for dinner (laughs) and then he's like i'm staying in a hostel it's only one star and he's just like a big crybaby about how poor he is and she's just like this guy is such a piece of shit um at one point he even asked eileen eileen my love will you please buy me a lottery ticket the kind where i can pick my own numbers and she's like really i thought your dad was a billionaire so Eileen receives a text from Simon telling her that he needs uh, to hop a flight to fix this whole mess now a few weeks earlier he had mentioned that he wanted to fly to Greece she texts him back and asks him what the plan is but she can see when she sends him the text on WhatsApp that Simon is offline now Simon's never not on his phone so she realizes he must be on a flight so she hops on Google and she searches from flights uh, from Prague to Athens. She finds a flight that lines up with the time that Simon's phone went offline. She screenshots the details and she sends an email to the police that basically says fugitive Simon Leviev is on this flight, but he will be on the flight under the name David Sharon. Remember that credit card he had sent to yes, her house to have her bring to him? Eileen then, a couple hours later, receives texts from Simon that say, goodbye, I have been arrested by Interpol. And Eileen is like, oh, my God, you know, she sent the email to the police hoping they would act. But police have not done too much up until this point. So Eileen calls Pernilla to tell her the news. Pernilla calls Cecilia and everyone is ecstatic. Oh, my goodness. All right. So the motherfucker was arrested. Now, up until this documentary came out, they asked her, did Simon know that it was Eileen who turned him into the police? And she says no. And then she goes, well, I guess not until now. And then she turns directly into the camera and she goes, hi, Simon, which is why she's the Beyonce for me of all of the Destiny's Child band that is these women that took this guy down. Okay. I'm really sorry about this, everyone. This is the part where we're all going to curse and put our our faces in our hands because... What I'm going to read next is directly lifted from, you know how at the end of documentaries, they do like the writing of like what happened after the, like they finished the movie to like, where are they now type stuff. This is directly from the documentary. I like wrote it all down and um, <clears throat> it's okay. Simon was sentenced to 15 months for the crimes he'd committed in Israel. He was let out after five months for good behavior. 
Since his release, he has launched a website offering business advice for a fee. Simon's bodyguard Peter and business partner Avi Shea have never been charged with any illegal activity associated with Simon. The mother of Simon's child, who was on the jet with Cecilia, denies any wrongdoing. Polina, the Russian model, did dump Simon when she found out he was cheating on her. Simon does not have any connection to the Israeli billionaire Lev Levayev or his family. There is no evidence that any formal charges were ever brought against LLD Diamonds or the Levayev family for diamond smuggling. Simon currently lives in Israel as a free man. He no longer appears to have financial problems. Cecilia, Pernilla, and Eileen are still paying off their debts. Simon has never been charged with defrauding them. It is estimated that he swindled over $10 million from victims across the globe. Since his release, Simon went back on Tinder. His current girlfriend is an Israeli model. And then they like show videos of him driving a Ferrari, wearing designer clothes, on a helicopter with his model girlfriend, buying her a car. Because he's on social media. I actually like went on his um, Instagram page to just be like, what's this about? Uh, I guess it's there's not much on there now. I think his site was shut down after the article came out and then he's got a new one. But it's just pictures of him on a jet wearing fancy clothes and very few comments or likes. But anyway, it made me want to die when I was like, wait, this is how we're going to end this. Like they finally get him arrested and he spends five months in jail and then Uh. goes back to, I don't know, swindling people out of their money by offering them business advice for a fee. I was like, I don't understand. It's not, it seems like completely not fair. He definitely, you know, should, I I don't know. I can't believe I'm, I'm beyond pissed that they have to pay their debt back (laughs) i know know. well that's a you know there's actually one really cool thing is so cecilia she has started an organization that she very i love her so much she aptly named action reaction which is to help other women who find themselves in situations where they're being like financially defrauded but she also um is uh, lobbying for like stricter regulations when taking out loans uh when uh, extending people's credit limits she's like like no, but everybody just gave me this money. Nobody was doing their due diligence to right. see that I would, I could have the ability to pay these back. That I would be able to make good on these, you know, loan promises with interest rates like this. Good for her. She's like, Amex clearly didn't do any research to make sure that I was an employee at this place making that much money because he didn't actually work there. He wasn't the CEO. So if they had checked, they would have been like, we don't know who that is. Um, so at least you know she's doing good. For the world yeah. in terms of, and I love that she named the company after what what he threatened her. Like, just so you know, for every action, there will be a reaction. When uh. He was like, don't cross me. So I like that about her. And they all seem very strong. She also, Cecilia seems to be, you know, maybe like the most romantic of the three women that were the subject of the documentary. You know, like really does, does want to be in love and fall in love. And she said that mm-hmm. she's still, she's still out there and she doesn't blame Tinder. She's like, Tinder didn't didn't lie to me and steal my money no that was simon so i think she might be on tinder too so (laughs) but i just i just oh my gosh the documentary is insane you guys you guys you guys you see a lot of the videos and hear a lot of his voice in it and like the parts where he loses it and like freaks out especially at the end when um eileen won't give him money for the clothes that she's selling i mean it's scary he's he sounds terrifying yeah so stay away from anyone who goes by Simon Leviev or David Sharon or Shimon Hayut. <laughs> That's my advice and lesson learned from 
the Tinder swindler. And I really do hope, you know, I'll keep checking in on this every once in a while to see if, yeah, you know, because he, I don't know why he can't be charged with defrauding Cecilia Pernilla and Eileen. Again, it was a clever scam. They willingly gave him the credit card. They willingly loaned him the money and a loan, you know, between friends there. I don't think there's any like legal buying. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it works legally, but somebody figure out how to make it against the law to they borrow yeah, money. We got to figure it out. Our lawyer friends out there, what what's the loophole? How do we get Yeah, them? how can these women like have a legit legal claim, you know, that he's responsible for the debt, not them? Yeah, yeah. wild. Crazy. Well, thank you, Avram Mackey. That was an yes. amazing crime paired and with our amazing rom-com, yes. Intergalactic. Thank you so much for uh, suggesting Intergalactic. I don't think that that would have popped into my, you know, Yay. like suggestions. Because as I mentioned, I'm a, all the true it. crime. It's so good, you guys. It's a beautiful movie. Netflix. And it's just a delightful experience. So I highly really recommend is. it. Yeah. I agree. All right, we love you guys. Yes, Thanks we for listening, do. Rob Criminal. And we will see you next next Tuesday. listening to Rom Crime with Avrin and Vanya. Episodes arrive every other Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on all things Rami and crimey. You can also follow us on Instagram at Rom Crime or email us movie and true crime suggestions at romcrimepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>